this learning business for us just keeps keeps going on. We're in we're in a school, and uh, I know that kids often look forward to getting out of school. The reality is, you and I never quit learning. That learning curve is never over, and so it's something that that we need to uh, continue to do. And so let me take you back to school this morning. Uh, we're going to be in the school of prayer again, and if you would take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5 with me. We're going to go back to uh, the Lord's Prayer and, and continue our process of learning in the school of prayer. I don't know how you're doing with that, with your prayer life. We've had a session or two with John McGregor on that. And I, I wonder, since we started this series on the Lord's Prayer, have you found yourself making any changes in your prayer life? Are there some things that you have said, you know, there's, there's something here that I need to change, or something that I need to do something about? Is your prayer life better or worse since we started this? Or are you just coming to church on Sundays and then walking out the doors and, and not doing anything with it? And so my question to you this morning is this, are you growing, are you backsliding, or are you stuck? Yesterday, the kids and I, my, my daughter and her children and I went out to Wapiti and we spent the day there, and the first thing we saw when, 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 we, when we left her place and headed south was, I guess it had been windy the night before, and someone had come along there, and the road had drifted across, and and hit that pile of drifted snow, and the vehicle was still sitting there in the ditch. I mean, do we hit a snowdrift and get stuck sometimes? Uh, my, own, my own experience with prayer is, and this is, I, I'm not there. My own experience with prayer is that it takes consistent, deliberate, and conscious effort to do this. It's not something that just seems to happen on its own. I mean, like, you know, I go to the fridge and I graze. I, I don't know how many of you, but th that's something that seems to happen on its own. You know, like I, I walk through the kitchen and I got to have a look what's in the fridge. I know what's there. It's the same stuff that was there a couple hours ago when I checked. But I got to look. You know, but prayer, we're not like that. Prayer is kind of like uh, a, a number of years ago in the summertime, uh, as, as one of us would go into the basement, uh, every once in a while there would be a lonely hornet kind of just lazily circling around in the basement. Now, when there's a hornet in your basement, fairly regularly, you need to ask yourself some questions, right? And then my wife comes up and says, Honey, there's a hornet in the basement. Yeah, so... I knew we had a problem. I didn't want to deal with it. And sometimes prayer is like that. Sometimes it's easier. You know, if I, if I start dealing with this, this is going to get huge. And what I had to deal with, that, that, that lonely hornet that was wandering around our basement at times, meant there was a nest. And they had somehow found a crack in, in my house. And there was, you know, the, 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 if you've been in my house, the dining room, and an entryway is, is built onto my house, and there was a crack between the old part and the new part of the house, and they found that little crack and wormed their way into the crawl space underneath the new part of the house, 
and they were wedged in between a hot air duct and the outside wall, and I had to crawl through this little window to get in there and get this hornet's nest out of there. Of course, my wife was of great help to me. As she bravely stood in the doorway of our house, ready to run. <laughs> uh, and it was, it was a horrible thing to deal with. I mean, you know, you go in there, you buy one of these mosquito nets you put over yourself, and you wear all kinds of clothes, and you, you get these hornet blaster things, but you still got to go in there and pry the thing out. But, but sometimes dealing with an issue, in our, we got it out of there, and it was, it was all fine and everything like that, but yeah. <coughs> and I never, get, I never got stunk. But you know, sometimes dealing with an issue like that, it's kind of like dealing with a, with a hornet's nest. You just, like, like if, if we could have just left it alone, maybe it would have taken care of itself. You know, I, I doubt it, but, uh, you know, maybe it would have just, I was hoping it would just go away and I wouldn't have to deal with it, but we had to. So let's go back to the school of prayer. Jesus said, and when you pray, Matthew chapter 6, rather, verse, and I told you 5, I was wrong. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And next week we'll look at this business of forgiveness. But we want to talk today about this prayer for our daily bread. Why do we need to ask God? For our daily bread. Jesus teaches us that we should. But why? And I think there are probably numerous reasons for that this morning, but I'm going to give you two, and I'm going to give you them right off the bat. First reason is why do we need to pray daily for our physical needs? Because number one, our Heavenly Father has infinite resources at His disposal. And number two, you and I have a tendency towards self-sufficiency. I'll bet you that's probably brand new and eye-opening to you. This isn't rocket science. You know, in some cultures, and our culture is like that to a certain degree, but in some cultures, when you go to visit someone, even if you go to make a business deal, you first have to talk about all kinds of other things. So, how are you doing? How is your health? Are you doing okay? Yeah, right? How's business going for you? Not too bad. How's your wife doing? Is she okay? 
Yeah, she's doing fine, you know. And your children, are they well? Yeah, the children are well. And what about your grandchildren? You know, hasn't the weather been good lately? And, and how did seeding go for you this year? And, and what do you think the crop market is going to be like? And what about the bugs? And what about all this other stuff? And, and, and you, you have to go through all this stuff. Basically, I came to borrow your lawnmower. I don't give a rip how you are. But sometimes, you know, in some cultures, and, and, and ours is like that to a certain degree, you'll probably notice when you talk to me on the phone, I don't spend a whole lot of time in idle chit-chat. Uh, Phyllis Moulton's dad was the worst one that I ever talked to on the phone. When, when you talked to, to Stu Mettler, uh, when, when Stu was done, he wouldn't even say goodbye, he'd just hang up. You know, and you'd be, you'd be like, I'm not done yet. So I phoned him back and said, I wasn't done, you know, I need to say goodbye. There, now I can hang up. <laughs> but we, we've got to, we, we went through all this stuff. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, before we get to the, you know, can I borrow the lawnmower stuff? Like, give us this day our daily bread. <coughs> Excuse me, why do we need to go through all that? Because it's like eating your vegetables, it's good for you. You need to hear this. Because our tendency as people is this, who really needs God when things are going reasonably well. In the Middle Ages in London, England, the churches were full when the plague was running full tilt. But the churches were empty when the plague was gone. In 1558, when the Spanish Armada was expected, all England seemed to be alive with prayer. But when the fear was over and the year grew old, the prayers grew cold. When 9-11 hit in the United States, People were fervent in prayer. They're all willing to pray. They're all willing to go to church. And once that went by, it's over again. The reality is that often God allows trials into our lives because it makes us pray. There's a story of an eastern prince who rode up to a farmer's gate. And he said, come out, I want to speak with you. And three times the demand was made and the farmer refused to come out. Finally, the prince threw a lighted torch over the gate into the dry barley. And sometimes God does that to us. Sometimes God lights up a great fire of affliction, begins to burn down some dear delight that we cherish or some possession that we had set our hearts on, and then we who had shut our hearts up from him come out. We who had dropped into a habit of insolence and had become unwilling to offer up energetic prayer are stirred to pray at last, and that's from Stanford Charles, a book, The Lord's Prayer, that he wrote in 1893. Why do we need to pray for daily bread? Our Father has infinite resources at his disposal. He is our creator. He is the one who made everything. He made the sunshine. He made the rain. He gave us the warmth. He gave us the soil, the seed, and the health and the fertility of animals and crops. God made things. God designed things so that they would grow and reproduce and die. God says in Psalm 50, verses 10, and 11, or 10 through 12, 
that every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine, and, and all that is in it, and God owns it all. He has infinite resources at his disposal. And not only does he have the resources, he has the willingness to supply our needs. The trouble is that we as human beings tend to trust ourselves rather than God because I can't see God, I can't feel him, I can't touch him, and often I can't hear him. And we like to have our needs supplied in advance. Never mind this day at a stuff that I want to know what's coming tomorrow. <coughs> you know, one of my friends, when I went to Bible college, one of my friends was there. I didn't like this guy. Well, I liked him fine. I didn't like what he was, I didn't like what he did. But what happened, here's what happened to him. He had said, he'd made a deal with God, and sometimes God, I, I can't understand why God does this. But he did. So this guy, he felt the need to go to Bible college. And he was a marriage student and everything. He says, Lord, if you want me to go to Bible college, he said, I want all the money up front and I want lots of it. And God gave it to him. Like, why? You know, there were other students there that didn't have two nickels to rub together. Uh, and this guy, like I'd be standing there in the bookstore drooling over some book trying really hard not to be covetous, and he'd get a check from the United States, you know, and our dollar wasn't worth much compared, and he'd cash his check, and he'd have all this money, and he'd bring this stack of books to the counter and, and put them there, and I, I went, ooh, like, I don't want to be covetous, but that's not fair, you know? But, you know, we went through four years of Bible school, and, 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 I, we ask God to provide for our daily needs. Boy, when you don't have an income, all of a sudden that becomes very real. And God did. We never missed a meal. We never missed paying a bill. There were times that we emptied every single piggy bank in the house and were flat broke. But God provided for our needs. What a weird thing to do. I'd been working in sawmills since I was 15 years old. I knew how to work. I'd always earned my own way with my own two hands. I worked long hours. I made good money. Now I quit working and I went to school for four years. How can you survive? I don't know how we did it. We never borrowed any money. Come out of school four years later. The trouble is that too often you and I treat God like another human being. We think that he might forget or that he'll break his promise or then he tricks us into trusting him and then says, oh, you forgot to, to dot your I or cross your T somewhere along the line. But think about this. <coughs> if Jesus, think about this. If Jesus teaches us to pray for our daily physical needs, then God is willing to supply Right? Doesn't that make sense? If Jesus teaches us to pray for our daily physical needs, then God, our Heavenly Father, is willing to supply. And the truth is, man does not live by bread alone. Yes, we realize that. But we don't live by the Bible alone either, and so we've got to eat. And we've got to have clothes to wear, and we've got to have all the rest of these things. We have a God who has infinite resources at His disposal. 
and he has promised to provide our needs. Now the problem is that you and I have this tendency towards self-sufficiency. How are we going to pray? And under this tendency towards self-sufficiency, I'm going to give you four things here. We need to pray for concrete needs, for critical needs, for common needs, and for continuing needs. Now I'm going to give, feed those to you one at a time, so don't worry about it. But we need to pray for concrete needs. Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33. This is one of the verses that I claimed. Matthew 6, 33 was the verse that I claimed when we went to Bible school. Jesus said, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. People are consumed with some of this stuff. And your heavenly Father knows, okay, he knows that you need them, but, but he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And you know what? It's true. And I haven't always put him first. And he's still gone ahead and provided for our needs. We can pray for concrete things. Yes, the Bible tells us not to store up treasures on earth, and sometimes we have a hard time keeping that balance because we say, well, you know, if I'm going to be a good steward, I need to have, have money ahead for a rainy day and all the rest of that kind of stuff. And the reality is that Christians are expected to earn their living in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10. He who doesn't work shouldn't eat. Yeah, all the rest of that. But God has promised to provide for our needs. He said, if you put me first, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things that people look after or run after so hard, I will give to you as well. We can pray for concrete things. We can pray for critical things. Bread was the common word for food. Give us this day our daily bread. It's not just bread that we're getting, it's food. The problem is that God has promised to supply our needs. And I think where the fear factor comes in for you and me is that our needs and his idea of what my needs are and my idea of what my needs are are often two different things. And so I talked to one of my African brothers here one time. And he told me he grew up in the streets of his hometown because his mother was a prostitute and like the, I don't know, the how many of wife of his father and she couldn't afford to eat him. And God provided for his needs, but he ate human waste for food. How is that fair? He's a pastor today. You know, I, I lived in a house. I had my mom and dad fed me. God provided for my needs. I didn't always like what my mom provided, I'll tell you that. And the problem with praying for God to provide your daily needs is this. You may not like what he puts in front of you. And when he puts something in front of you, do you dare complain about it? 
When we were in Three Hills going to Bible school, we moved from British Columbia to Three Hills, Alberta, and there's a different culture out here. There is. People on the prairies are strange. No, you're not. You're just different. But, but you grow things here that, that we could never, we, we just heard about in B.C. I mean, we, we could buy cucumbers and tomatoes in the store, but you couldn't grow them where we came from. You couldn't grow corn. You couldn't grow squash. And so, and so we arrived in Three Hills in, in, in September uh, of one year. Uh, and what do you get at the end of gardening season on the prairies? What does everybody have lots of? Zucchinis, squash. And so here there's these poor, starving Bible school students. We got all this squash. What do you do with this stuff? Kathy had never seen it. <coughs> and, and it's kind of like this. I saw this cartoon one time where these two guys are kind of rubbing their tummies after a meal, and one guy says to the other, he says, boy, he says, wasn't that great squash? And the other guy says, yeah, but he says, even bad peanut butter is better than great squash. <laughs> but, but how do you ask God to provide your needs and then turn up your nose at what he sets in front of you? You know, we used to get, we could get... <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. We could get these, these old hens. Every prairie had its own 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 egg production thing. And and you could every year they would they would uh, what do you call that when you recycle their hens? And uh, <laughs> and you could get all the old hens you wanted. All you had to do was kill them and gut them and feather them and all the rest of that stuff. So, you know, and, and these old hens, I mean they were fair size that if you if you pressure cooked them for about eight or 12 hours, you know, uh, and then cut them into really small pieces, and, and you put them in soup or stew, they, they weren't too bad. <laughs> you know, and, and, and we could get vegetables, really cheap canned vegetables, and, and they came in cans with no, in a box, you know, a case of cans with, with no wrappers on them. And, and I think they were corn and they were green beans. Green beans, cut green beans. And the green beans were like little sticks. Oh, they had a lot of fiber in them. <laughs> and we lived off that stuff for a lot of years. And I said to Kathy after we graduated and I earned my first paycheck, I said to her, let's not eat chicken for a long time. But you see, sometimes we ask God to provide our needs and he does, but we don't like what he puts in front of us. So, so here's this trust issue. If you're going to ask God to provide your needs, you also have to trust him to know what's best for you. And you may not like it. You may not particularly enjoy it. But if uh, God puts it there, you better thank him for it, right? May not be what you want. May not be what you like. Here's another thing. We need to pray for critical needs. And like I said, Kathy and I never starved. Our clothes came off something called the free table. You know, like, like, like somebody would have a spouse who died and their clothes would be donated. And so us Bible school students would wear these donated clothes and stuff like that. We did okay. Like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't bad. But, but um, boy, it was sure nice to get some different stuff afterwards. But... <coughs> 
We can pray for critical needs. And we need to pray for common needs. Note what it says in your Bible. It says, give me this day my daily bread. Right? It's not about you. It's about us. Give us this day our daily bread. It's about the body of Christ. We are a family. And so if you're going to pray for God to provide for your daily needs, you're also praying for him to provide for someone else's daily needs, and you may need to be the channel who provides for that other person's daily needs. Can you have thought about that? That God gives you stuff so that you can share it? Do you remember the 9-11 thing that, that happened and all these planes landed out east in Canada here? You know, they, 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 put, they brought all the planes down out of the sky and they were piled all over Halifax, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, all over the place. And, and where did they go? People opened up their homes. Why? Because there was a need. In the early 1950s, the dikes broke in Holland. And, and lots of, thousands of people drowned. And thousands of people were displaced. And there was a refugee family lived with us for months. Because, you know, not only were my mom and dad willing to, to, to pray for their own needs, but they were also willing to provide for the needs of others. So when you pray, it's not just about you and me, but it's time about others as well. And we can pray for continuing needs. Our need for daily foods continues throughout our daily lives. And the general intent is that we should pray each day for the food that we need. Why did God give manna to Israel on a daily basis? Why couldn't he give them a month of manna at a time, wouldn't it have been a whole lot easier than having to go out and collect your manna every morning? Well, here's the reason for this. Can you fire that text up on the screen, Joanne, from Deuteronomy? Moses said, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. And sometimes God has to test us, to humble us. Whether or not you would keep his commands, he humbled you, causing you to hunger. I mean, God created that hunger in us and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. <coughs> God asks us to pray for daily bread for a reason. Here it is. There's a story about a king who used to give his children an allowance once a year. Guess how many times a year he would see his children? Once a year. When he switched that allowance to a daily allowance instead of a yearly allowance, how often did he see his children? Every day. Why does God ask you and me to pray for daily bread? Why should we thank God for our food every time that we sit down to a meal? to remind us that we don't live on bread alone, to remind us that there is a heavenly Father who provides our needs, to remind us to go to Him every day. And I don't know about you, but I have this tendency towards self-sufficiency. And how do I say anything new when I sit down to eat? And yet I have to acknowledge, Lord, this food comes from You. You have provided for my needs, not only have you provided for my needs, but you have given me food that is tasty, that is, that is, uh, that is enjoyable, 
and all the rest of these things, and I need to thank him for that. So my question to you this morning is this. How are you doing in the school of prayer? Do you know all you need to know? Do you know all you want to know? And the trouble with learning is that it really doesn't do you any good until you put it into practice. The dangerous thing for a university student is when you come, or a Bible school student, is when you come to the end of those three or four or six or eight years or however long you come to school, and now you need to decide, what am I going to do with this thing? And sometimes the easiest thing is, especially if somebody else is paying the bills, is let's just keep going because it's easy. The hard thing is getting out there and doing something with it, and it's the same with the school of prayer. So are you practicing that which you are learning? Are our prayers any different? Because we have been in the school of prayer for the last number of weeks. Do you pray daily for your daily needs? Or is prayer like that hornet's nest in my basement that you'd probably rather leave alone because right now life is working for you and you don't want to mess with it? Does God need to light the barley field on fire? Or are you and I coming to him daily with our needs? Give us this day our daily bread. Not just about you, it's about us. Give us this day our daily bread. Let's pray together and then we'll be dismissed. And I'm going to give to you this morning that same blessing that you gave to me. <coughs> Please stand with me. Father, thank you so much for your interest in our daily lives. Thank you for the invitation to ask you to provide our daily bread. And thank you for the infinite resources that you have at your disposal to provide us that daily bread. Lord, you've gone so far beyond that. It's absolutely astounding. We haven't always put you first. Not only have you provided for our needs, you have given us so much more. Father, we just pray that you would remind us, help us to recognize that you are the God who is in control. Forgive us for turning up our noses and complaining about that which you have set in front of us sometimes. And Lord, help us to remember it's not just about us. It's about the bigger family of God as well. Grant us your peace as we leave this place. Lord, grant us your provision. Give us today our daily bread, and we thank you for that which we are going to receive. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy your dinner. <laughs>